1: uh, when we're coming up to midterm elections, everybody needs to know what really went on in the last election. And notably, I'm talking about the fraud. Um, so who better to talk about this than two men, two patriots, who created a film called Capital Punishment, and capital being spelled C-A-P-I-T-O-L, Punishment, Um director Chris Burgard, and producer Nick Searcy. Uh, this movie and today's show is called C- Capital Punishment, Real Story of January 6th, Patriots, Not Terrorists. And obviously my two guests are um, fine examples of patriots and what we need more of in this country. Uh, director of the film is Chris Burgard. Um, he is an award-winning win- filmmaker uh, he, what's kind of ironic, Chris, is that your first uh, foray into Hollywood was as Matthew Broderick's dance double in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We have come very far from that, unfortunately. That was when uh, that was when there were more things to laugh about in this country. And he also um, got then a recurring guest role in the popular '90s sitcom Growing Pains. And um, he's been since then in numerous television and movie roles, and over this next several de- decades, the producer of uh, *Capital Punishment* is Nick Searcy. He is a veteran actor, and he has been in everything from independent features to Hollywood blockbusters and television shows. Um, you may well recognize him, in particular, from his uh, performance as General Hoyt in Guillermo del Toro's 2018 Best Picture winner, The Shape of Water. And he also had a role in the multiple Oscar-winning film, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. What were you? I saw that. What were you in that movie?
2: I was the priest that uh, um, Francis yelled at.
1: Ah, okay, yes. (laughs) Um, Let me just give a little introduction. Um, for people who, you know, I know that people who listen to this show uh, are probably of all different political persuasions. Although, you know, in the last two years, I think I've been doing so many uh, so many shows uh, of this particular political persuasion um, that perhaps perhaps the others have turned turned it off. But um, it is, I, I, and I know it's uh, it's very risky to say this in these days but in my mind anyway my personal opinion is that um, there is no question but that the 2020 um, election was stolen and there are various um, thoughts as to how and why but um, but it was and so and just so you two know um, on January 6th I watched Trump's um, speech, uh, you know, before before this trespassing of the Capitol, um, I watched his speech and I did not see at any time that he told people to go to the Capitol and storm the Capitol and destroy things and hurt people and everything else that, that you know, the kinds of things that are being attributed to him. So I, I'm just going to give that short introduction because I want to ask you, too, um How it is that you both came together and decided to make this film. I mean, this was a rather brave, bold thing to do. So first, tell us how that Uh, happened.
3: um, Well, the short answer is God called me and then I called Nick. And uh, two days before the 6, we just decided to go. I brought my family. Nick brought himself. And um, we didn't think we were going to make a movie about it until a few weeks later when something came up. Um, but to go back to what you just said about President Trump, you'll see in the movie how the media ran with, with clips from Trump's speech. They creatively edit, they deceptively edit it to make it look like he called for violence. And we, we break down, and Nick narrates in the movie, how he was absolutely not calling that. He actually said, peacefully march down to express our First Amendment rights. And what they did was, it wasn't just misreporting, it was propaganda. Um, and to you, Nick? <laughs> yeah, we, um,
2: Chris and I were both there that day, and what we saw in the media didn't match up with any of our experiences, and uh, Chris and I had worked together before, we'd made a documentary before as well as a, some other stuff, and uh, somebody asked us after they saw one of our documentaries, if you made another one, what would you want to make it about, and uh, Chris said January 6th, because we were huh. there, and uh, they said, let's do it. So uh, we started making the film right then.
1: Oh, wow. That's a good story.
3: Yeah, 40 uh, years ago, no one's ever come up to us and said, hey, you want to make a movie? I'll write you a check. But, you know, this time it did. That's when you know you're on the path.
1: Well, you know, um, I was going to ask you this later, but since we're kind of talking about money and people writing you checks – one thing um that's a little bit of a frustration of mine and i the same way that you know the film the documentary my so well i don't know if you'd call it a sort of a documentary um my son hunter i i'm what i'm going to say to you i i've been thinking about that documentary or film as well we need to get more people um to see to watch these things i mean the people who uh you know Need to see it most, and so I was wondering. I mean, I know I know lots of people have seen your documentary, and I'm sure lots of people have seen uh, the Hunter, my son Hunter. But in order to get it even more widespread, especially before the midterm elections, isn't there some donor or donors, um, Republican donors, who would pay to uh, have this screen? places where the people wouldn't have to pay to watch it?
2: Well, this is a you know, this is a problem with the the conservative side of things. We don't have a distribution uh path we don't have a clear distribution path it's hard to get these films in the theaters i directed gosnell which came out in 2018 which was also made by the same producers who did my son hunter and we had such a difficult time keeping the thing in the theaters as well as getting the film reviewed by critics or get uh, anybody on the left side or in the mainstream media to pay attention to the film at all because what they do, their tactic is not to slam it, not to say this is terrible. Their tactic is to ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. And that's what they've done with Capital Punishment. We built our own website for it. We've had a, made a, a path for people to watch it. Uh, but you can't find it when you do an Internet search because it's so suppressed. And that's the same thing uh, that, uh, that they tactic that they tried with Gosnell.
1: Um, hmm, yes, I know. It, I guess that goes along with, with social media and all the other things that try to uh, erase. Um. And Doc,
3: Doc, if I could answer your question there and to expound on what, what, expand on what, what Nick just said, it's also a fear factor. Uh, we didn't know it. You know, we made this movie, we released it last Thanksgiving, and we didn't know that we made the movie that exonerates Trump, you know, eight months before they raided Mar-a-Lago. And people are so scared. I mean, we know good people that, that own conservative um, media companies that won't touch this movie. They're afraid of being sued. They're afraid of the government coming after them. They're just darn scared. And that's a real problem. And, and the truth should set us free, but too too often people are afraid of getting burned by the truth. And that's what we're seeing right now. So. That, that's why it, 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 it's this conundrum, you know, the, the country's splitting apart, you could watch our movie and you can say, there's no reason they should have the January 6th hearings, obviously Trump is innocent, um, and we didn't make it as a political movie, we just, capt- we just wanted to capture the truth of that date, but the truth speaks it for itself. But this country has been so beaten down and so programmed that, that people are just afraid.
1: Wow.
2: And you, you you can see how the people are treated in our film by the FBI and the Department of Justice, and that's the reason they're doing what they're doing, is to scare people into silence.
1: You know, which, of course, makes uh, even more of a case for this film, you know, than ever. Um, there has to be, uh, aren't there, I mean, even, I think you were saying, even Republican-owned like movie theaters, like like regular out-in-the-street kind of movie theaters?
2: Well, uh, I don't know very many Republican-owned movie theaters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. If you know of any, let me know. But uh, a lot yeah. of the chains, you know, and and you can understand why from a business sense. It's like the movie theater chains, their, their product is pipeline from Hollywood. If you start standing up and going, I'm going to release this one little movie that's going to make everybody in Hollywood mad, Hollywood's going to destroy your chain, you know? So it's, it's the tactics that they use are bully tactics. And, and what they're trying to do is silence us, make sure that our words can't get out, that we can't be heard by very many people.
1: Well, now your film did appear. um, I mean, I searched for your film online. This was a (laughs) while ago. Um, Someone told me about it and I searched for it and I did have trouble finding it. Um, But wasn't it on uh, a, a television station? Yes.
2: <laughs> One American News, OAN, yes. ran our film. Yeah,
1: I thought I saw it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so going back, crazy. It was a so while Carol, ago.
3: So, Carol, the backstory to that would be uh, we couldn't buy advertising on Fox News. We couldn't buy advertising on uh, uh, Newsmax. But. When the J six hearings came out, I mean the Mr. Herring, the, the fellow that owns one American News, those guys down there, they've they've got they've got cojones and they're like, hey, look, they're doing this propaganda here on a January sixth. We want to run counter programming. Can we license your movie to show during the hours the same hours while they're showing the hearing? So they ran the movie back to back to back and the ratings were great and they got amazing. I mean, the comments were incredible. And People are thirsting for this knowledge, but you've only got one media source, one American news network that's brave enough to put us out. And then a few weeks after they, they, they start running us back-to-back as counter-programming, they get taken off of Fios. Yes.
1: So, yes.
3: It, it wasn't just because of us, but we didn't help. But that is the monopoly. I mean, people are so scared of the truth. It's almost like you're living in Nazi Germany. It's, it's, it's insane.
1: You know, and so it gets harder and harder for the truth to come out. Um, Well, why don't we start talking about the truth (laughs) um, about that day? Um, You know, wherever you would like to start in terms of some of the things that you show in the film.
2: Well, I think one of the first things that we show in the film, and we we were actually really surprised by what we were able to find about how many people were there that day that's the very first thing that the media suppressed. They made it look like it's just a few people that were doing all this vandalism and doing all these horrible things, but there were 2 million people there. There were so many people there, and most of them were singing hymns and praying for the country, and jovial in great spirits, and most of them were my age or older, so we weren't really a threat, you know. I don't think we were armed or anything other than our blood pressure medicine. <laughs> and and so the, the the whole mischaracterization of the day begins there. And that's how our film begins, showing you how many people were there were there, how diverse the the people that were there were. There were Chinese Americans for Trump and black Americans for Trump. All kinds of people there. And the media, of course, doesn't want any of that story to get out.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Americans, Nick. What? Don't forget the gay guys for Trump.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Fags for Trump, right? Yes. That's, yes, that's what he that. said on his shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> and
2: since I'm from California, I knew that guy, of course. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. Um,
2: and to go further, I mean, another thing that we show in the film is, is, uh, what the media will not show you about how the people who went to the uh, January 6th and never went inside the building, mm-hmm. how they're being trampled on and 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 having their lives destroyed by the FBI and the Department of Justice. And these are people that really did nothing wrong. And it, it's it's a tactic that is meant to strike fear into the hearts of Americans and also to send a message to everybody else. Don't be like these people. Because this is what the government will do to you if if you try to stand up to the government. If you try to stand up and say, I don't believe the election was on the up and up. I believe we should take 10 days to to really look at the vote. If you say something like that, they're going to break down your door and
3: handcuff your wife and children. Huh. Because, Carol, because I directed this film, I'm now the subject in a federal terrorism investigation. The FBI huh. came to no, seriously I had to get a legal team and um, a threat was called in and said that I was a terrorist because I made this movie and it's you know luckily the agents that I dealt with were, were very professional and they've been communicating with my attorneys they didn't kick down my front door but they came a quarter mile into my ranch and uh, it scares the heck out of you especially when your, your daughter knows other kids that have had you know their doors kicked in and um, they're seeing their younger four and seven year old brothers and sisters flashbanged, banged. Seeing other twelve year olds taken out in handcuffs. You know, first thing in the morning, twelve year old girls. It's not stuff that you would see in the United States of America. It's it's third world stuff that I saw in Honduras, covering the attempted revolution down color revolution down there. Um, the takeaways on this movie are just uh, you, when you see this film, no matter what your political um, your bent is. The fact that we're being lied to is so evident. And I'll just take one example. Christopher Wray is the head of the FBI, uh, the most powerful law enforcement agency possibly on the planet. He sat before Congress and he said he saw no evidence of BLM or Antifa or anarchist type groups there that day. Well, we saw them. We filmed them. You'll see footage in our, in, in our film of them changing from black box Antifa clothes into MAGA clothes. Yeah, I saw that. And then those same people coming to myself and to my daughter and my wife trying to get us to attack the police. And when we went to FBI units on the ground and said, hey, you've got bad people here. They want us to attack the cops. You want us to point them out? No. Do you want <laughs> to take a report? No, no, thank you. We're good. And then John Sullivan, who's a BLM activist, and was one of the, the, the planners of the, of this, the, the violence, um, he filmed himself. So for Christopher Ray to stand up and, or to sit down and testify to Congress that that just didn't happen, either he's telling the, the largest, um, I hate to say lie, but lie, or else he's just completely incompetent. Because every three-letter person I knew there, every military guy I knew that was there that day, we all saw what was going down. We all saw them moving in squads, and, it, and it, 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 it wasn't rocket science.
1: Well, you know, yes, I'd like to talk a little more about that when we come back. We need to take a break. Um, we're talking today about the film Capital Punishment, and um, my guests are director Chris Burgard and producer Nick Searcy uh today's show is capital punishment real story of january 6th you know that's what you're hearing today when we come back you will hear more you're listening to dr carol's couch and i'm your psychiatrist host dr carol lieberman
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline.
3: Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help?
4: Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do, too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts.
0: VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Capital Punishment. That is an amazing documentary that you are going to have to see, and we will tell you how you can do that um capital punishment and today's show is the real story of the january 6th patriots and my guests are two patriots uh, and not terrorists and the director is chris borgard and the producer is nick searcy so let's get back to them um i was was starting to ask you during the break do you have a uh, plans for like some kind of follow-up um to either uh, describe what's been happening to you since the film or to, I don't know, just some kind of follow-up?
2: Well, we've certainly talked about it. Um, uh, Most of our efforts have been, you know, trying to get this film out because the thing that's happening that happens in our film is continuing to happen. Um, They contacted Chris not long ago. The FBI, we talked to a lady in Texas who, in June of this year, the FBI did a raid on her house. She and her husband were there on January 6th, never went in the building, and they did the whole SWAT team and the 20 vehicles and come out with your hands up kind of thing like they were drug dealers or serial killers, and this is still happening. They haven't stopped. You know, They're going to continue to do this. Now you see them doing it to pro-life activists. The government is going after people that disagree with the government, and they are punishing them and doing it in in such a way that they – Tell their neighbors or their neighbors see it so that it's 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 an intimidation tactic and it's continuing. So I'd love to continue this story. I'd love to follow what's happened to the people in our movie, the way they've been treated by the Department of Justice. Uh, Many of them have spent time in jail. Many of them are still waiting for verdicts. And this this oppression is ongoing. They're not they're doubling down. They are not stopping. They're not backing off. And so that's that's why we continue to push this movie so hard. It exposes what they're doing to normal, decent Americans.
3: Yeah, I mean, and they send the message is pretty clear. I mean, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I come from a law enforcement family. My father's a veteran. I've had a 17-year career working closely with law enforcement. And if the message is, hey, you make a movie about the truth, um, we're going to come visit you. We're going to, it's, it's, we're going to make an, we're going to let people know that there's a chance that you could be labeled a terrorist. I mean, supposedly for me, they called in a somebody called in a terrorist threat, and huh. they had they were simply doing their jobs investigating the terrorist threat. Um, that's insane. That's simply insane that that's going on. And um, this isn't unlike if you know history, we've seen this before. Um, you have to silence the opposition. And as, as Nick often says and points out, they don't have to physically throw you in a gulag, but if, if you're spending all your money on attorneys and trying to watch your six, then you're not out there, you know, making the sequel. And, um, if you're, if you're, I'm blessed because I still have a job. I have a career. Nick is still my friend. He didn't dump me when the FBI came to visit, which I still thank you for Nick.
2: Oh, I wouldn't go that far. It's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but but there, there's so many people we know that have lost their jobs. They've lost their homes. They've lost their, their marriage. It's broken up their marriages. It's an incredible amount of pressure. And if you look at this, you know, especially when you see in our movie, we focus on three people that never entered the Capitol building. Coy Griffin stood up and asked for the, to, to, the, the stood up on the, and said that, The the people of the United States, he prayed that we were humbling ourselves before God and asked him to heal our nation. He gets thrown in a solitary confinement for three weeks. The first nine days, he's not allowed a phone call to his family or to his attorney. Nine days, no phone call. That's the kind of stuff I saw in Central America. That's third world that should not be happening in the United States, but it is. And it's just scared the hell out of everybody.
1: Um. You know, and, you know, of course, what you're talking about has not been on the nightly news. I mean, nobody really knows about this.
2: And the other aspect to it that's really sinister and disturbing is this idea of getting neighbors to snitch on each other, getting Mm -hmm. Americans to call the FBI. There were billboards that we see in the film. If you know anybody that went to Washington on January 6th, call this number, turn them in. And that's still going on. And this is something that, you know, this is out of. Stalinist Russia, the really? KGB, it's like, I'm going to turn my neighbor in so that I can get in good with the government. And it's really, really a sick thing. A lot of the people in our, our film, they're not only paying the price in terms of uh, the judicial system, they're losing their businesses because people turn on them and go, I'm not going to go to your coffee shop anymore because you're a terrorist.
1: It's like 1984.
2: It absolutely is. And they Thanks. use 1984 as a handbook, not as a cautionary tale. They're using it like, oh, this worked in 1984. Let's do it now.
1: And it's a, com- it's a combination of Animal Farm and, uh, yeah. and 1984. And I think, um, oh, what's the other one that there was that we're with? Um,
0: Brave, Brave New World.
1: World. What, Brave New World, yes. Yeah. Somebody but, read the, these three books in high school and decided, aha, that's yeah. what we're going to do to America. Yeah. Well, the combination of,
3: of 1984 and 1933, the storming of the Reichstag, you know, you set up the burning of the Reichstag and you do it as a false flag, and then you blame it on the, on the other people. And that's what happened here. You see in, this, in, this, in our film that this was clearly, there were professional operatives working there, that this was a captured operation. And we, used, we actually did an allegory with, with Nick herding cows. Um, into a small gate, which is pretty much what happened that day with the crowd. And operatives that were there, um, they were easy to find. They're easy to pick out. I can, you can look at footage now that they're showing on any of the news channels. and You go, there's one, there's one, there's one. Um, why is there no real investigation to who hired these people, who trained these people, who else were they working with? Did the same people that paid for this uprising also have anything to do with the bloody Ukraine re- revolution? Um, where a hundred people died in twenty fourteen. No one's asking these questions. That's what Congress should be doing right now.
1: Uh-huh. So well these these people who were there, like the organizers, the BLM and so on, were they and Antifa, were they thrown in jail too?
2: You know you this Go ahead, go ahead Nick, Chris. Well, well, well for the most part, no. I mean, you know, John Sullivan, who was in the hallway when Ashley Babbitt was murdered, he We have footage of him and his girlfriend congratulating each other. We did it. We did it. We got them in here. And John Sullivan was investigated for a few days, and then he was basically given some sort of house arrest or probation, and now he's a free man. But he was the one in there instigating a lot of the violence, while the people that were, you know, maybe inside the Capitol but doing nothing wrong or and even just standing outside the Capitol building, those people are in jail. John Sullivan is not.
1: So such collusion, such collusion. Let's talk about Ashley Babbitt, the one person who was killed in in the um, trespassing. Um, it was. Would you want to tell people a little bit about that?
2: Well, I'll just say uh, there was more than one person killed. Roseanne Boylan, it's becoming more and more apparent that she was trampled and beaten to death by police. Mm. They blamed this on her having a, a drug overdose, and that's not been borne out by the facts. She was tr- she was beaten. But the 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 lies that they've told about Ashley Babbitt, uh, Chris and I released some footage from Taylor Hanson, a, a journalist down in Texas who was in the hallway when Ashley Babbitt was murdered, which is a different angle of the hallway than than I've ever seen. And it shows Ashley Babbitt clearly talking to the police, telling them they need more reinforcements, screaming at people that were breaking down the windows and, and vandalizing the building to stop. She was there trying to stop them. And right before she was killed, she confronted a, a man named Zachary Allam, who is a known Antifa activist. And he was breaking windows with his helmet and she punched him in the face Uh to try to get him to stop right before she was killed. So this whole narrative that Ashley Babbitt was some sort of crazed Trump supporter who was there to try to break down the door so she could strangle Nancy Pelosi or something (laughs) is completely ridiculous. And it's a total lie.
1: And the people like the man who I think maybe one of the most uh, memorable, um, and I forgot his (laughs) name right now, so memorable, but... uh, when Ray Epps, well, no, the guy who was dressed in the cow cal- cow, cal- well, he was dressed like Jacob
3: a cow cal- Jacob Chansley.
1: No, not a cowboy, he was dressed like a yes, 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 Jacob Chansley. Like, Um, and
4: Huffles.
1: right, right. Um, you know, was he what would who what what was driving him? Was he a Trump supporter? Was he Antifa? What was he? So jake was
2: an actor that just
3: says uh, it all
1: (laughs) (laughs) who wanted to get attention
3: so yeah i would i would say i would i would say that he wanted to get attention he uh when they were in solitary confinement coy and had an hour off a day and he he had a chance to hang out with with this fella and uh he's like so what do you believe in what are you all about he goes well, I, I guess maybe I follow the cue, but he just seemed lost. He just seemed, and he was an actor, um, but in our research doing this movie, we, we, had, we had somebody drop out of our film because the pressure was too much. This is retired law enforcement who did not go into the Capitol, was there that day, and then was subsequently arrested on conspiracy and insurrection charges. It's cost him his wife, cost him his home, and he came to us and he said, I can't, you just just take me out of the movie, take me out of the movie. Going back in his memory, he saw people that had set him up that turned out to be FBI informants. And one of the things he told me, he goes, I was invited to speak in Arizona. I went from California to Arizona, and that buffalo horn guy was there, and people kept trying to get me to take pictures with him. Well, Uh the guy trying to get him to take pictures with him turned out to be an FBI informant that – that turned against him. So, way back months before January 6th, they were already trying to establish a relationship between these two guys. Now, the fella that had to get out of our movie because the pressure was too much did not go in the Capitol building. What he did do was help organize Trump caravans, put together anti mask rallies, and was a very vocal um, constitutional conservative activist. So, is it is it a conspiracy to think everybody's against you when you go back and you look at, wow, before they arrested me, arrest me for conspiracy, people were trying to set me up. Sure. And that's what you see in this film when you have retired generals and you have three letters, um, former agency people, and you have security experts tell you that January 6th was years in the making. This is what they're talking about. There are so many layers what went on that day and what built up to that day, it's, it's, it, it bears investigating by people that are a lot smarter than Nick and myself, or at least smarter than me.
1: Years yeah. in the making, meaning set, setting people up to have it look like. and, and, to and plan if, the
2: Jan- if the January 6th committee was really interested in, in finding the truth, they would be talking to some of these people. They would be interviewing them. They would be asking questions about them, and they don't. They don't ask any questions about them because that doesn't serve the narrative that they want to push. That doesn't further the lie that they are propagating.
3: If the January 6th committee was serious, you would have Chris Ray on the stand and say, why did you lie to the American people when they're clearly we were Antifa and BLM? Uh, protesters there dressed as MACA people. If you were serious about the J6 getting the truth, you would have investigative reporter Millie Weaver subpoenaed to come in and testify to Congress. Millie had worked months to get an operative in on these Zoom calls with people that actually planned this violence. People Uh that were far-left activists with with records of doing violence and, and planning stuff like this for years, but on those same Zoom calls planning th- this violence were members of our own government, including members that work in the intelligence services. She has this on the Zoom calls. She has the footage. We put some of it in our movie. You should call a person like that a, who, about the truth, but they don't want to do that because they don't want the world to know that far-left activists and members of our own government were working together to plan this.
1: So they, um, if they were working for a long time to plan this, then these people obviously already knew that the election was going to be um, a fraud because oh, yeah. they would have had to have known that Trump would have lost, in other words, otherwise no. there wouldn't be any reason to go to the Capitol.
3: Well, to quote Speaker Pelosi, he's leaving. One way or another, he's leaving. And then I don't know if you saw the footage that they just released of her a few days ago, CNN did, and I believe it might have been shot by her daughter who was uh, planning on making a movie about this. Um, and it's interesting how John Sullivan, um, Jade um, uh, 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 Sackett, uh, Miss Sackett, I forget her first name, uh, and Nancy Pelosi's daughter were all making a movie about this event. But none of us knew there even was going to be an event, and huh. you know, Pelosi he he says, "Oh, let him come up here, let him trespass on the Capitol. I'll punch him in the face, and I'll go to jail for it." That woman was acting. That woman already in her mind was editing together how that scene was going to go in her daughter's film. Uh-huh. How did uh-huh. you know there was going to be an event? Could it have anything to do with the fact that she told the president to stand down and not send National Guard the day before? Yes, right, right. And- and it's funny, Nick and I were both, you know, we, we, we were in a house a block halfway from the Capitol building. We woke up the next morning. Um, we had to go in the house at 6 because of the curfew. Woke up the next morning, and all of a sudden, there's National Guard and there's fences all around the Capitol. There wasn't any, any MACA people because they all had to go home and go to work. But they could get the soldiers out there, and they could get the fences out there in a heartbeat. That was her decision not to, not to do that that day. And don't forget, Lieutenant Byrd, the man that that murdered Ashley Babbitt, he works for he works for Nancy Pelosi. Capitol Police answer to her, and then you ask yourself, why is the Capitol Police under Nancy Pelosi? And yeah. and she's on record saying this, opening up um, headquarters outside of of Washington D.C. in Florida, in California, because she said there were so many more insurrectionists that they had mm-hmm. to find. That should scare the heck out of everybody. You take down the local police on the police and then you put a national police out there. History is full of this. I mean,
1: wow. Wow. Uh, one thing leads to another thing to another thing. Yes, all these layers and it's so we're kind of like surprised by it. We no one ever would have thought that this could happen in America. But it is. And we need to take a break and I can't wait to get back to you. Um, my we're talking today about the film Capital Punishment. And my guests are director Chris Burgard and producer Nick Searcy, and we will be right back.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with my guests, Brave Patriots, uh, director Chris Burgard and producer Nick Searcy of the documentary film Capital Punishment. It's today we're talking about that as the real story of the January 6th uh tra- I like to call it trespassing um <laughs> who the people the people who are patriots not terrorists you know I do ever since 911 I have been working um as a psychiatrist and author and so on um you know inter media personality and all of this To help people deal with the memories of 9/11 and um, prepare people for the oncoming um, threats, the oncoming attacks that were, you know, that uh, the terrorists have not given up taking taking over America. So, um, so you know, when this whole thing about calling uh, the January 6th trespassers terrorists and calling PTA. Uh, parents terrorists and all of that you know it's um I mean I've been talking and writing and uh, doing a lot about that um but I I don't think I realized until our conversation today just how bad the whole thing really is just how um how predominant how uh, pervasive um this this threat is and, and ongoing that the threat is um do you know, is anyone like, are you or or do you know of anyone who is uh, taking down the stories of the, not necessarily filming, but like writing or taping or something, the stories of the people who were put in prison?
2: There absolutely is. There's a book that I'm going to look up right now. Uh, hopefully I'll find it before the end of the show. But a, a lady has compiled a book of letters from people inside, ah. uh, letters from inside the prison you know, both talking about what they did and why they're there and what their lives are like inside the jails. So those things are being, you know, they're, they're being pursued. It's just the the trouble is they, they're having the same trouble as filmmakers do, that trying to find somebody who'll publish their book, trying to find some way to get their book out there. Um,
3: you know, Carol, uh, Carol you know, I make a movie, you put it out, you enter film festivals. It's a lot of fun to go to get, take it around film festivals, get awards. It's really neat. I've entered this movie in, I think, 12 or 15 film festivals. It's been turned down by every single festival. And I think this is Nick and I's best work. Um, that's how that's, that's how upside down it is out there.
2: Well, it's definitely Chris's best work. Let's say that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot about you. <laughs> no. well, yeah, I mean, three I was mean awesome.
2: going back to what we were talking about, Carol, yeah. they, they are redefining words. They have redefined the word terrorist so that it can include a guy who makes a film about January 6th. You know, or a person who goes to a protest, here that's a terrorist. A parent who goes to a school board meeting, that's a terrorist. They have changed the meaning of the word terrorist so that they can use it against Americans that they disagree with.
1: Yes, I I, my my latest uh, episode of I do a a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show because I call myself the terrorist therapist. And, um, and that's what I was talking about this whole thing, how the word terrorist has come to mean. People can use it uh, towards each other like kids in a playground say, doo doo face, you're a terrorist, you know, like kids saying, you're a doo doo face. Um, I know, but obviously there are very serious consequences too. Um, you know, it would be good, though, besides finding out about what it's like inside the prison or what they've gone through, the things that you were talking about in regard to people's lives, you know, losing jobs and losing wives and, and all of that. Actually, when it was happening or soon after it was happening, I was talking about the kids who reported their parents to the FBI. They saw their parents on camera, you know, um, mm. on social media, on videos and so on, and they called up the FBI or the police and they reported their parents. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Yes. Yes. A girl that was in college turned in her parents, 19 year old girl and a man that was just sentenced to five years in prison. It was turned in by his own son.
1: Yes, I think that was one of the ones I was talking about. And he um, and he left home at the sun um, and he was, angry. you know, they were really angry about other things like they didn't like their parent for something. And this was a way right. that they he wouldn't let him, him
2: use the car or something, you
1: know? <laughs> something ridiculous like that.
2: But see, this is right out of Soviet Russia. I mean, this is what happened in 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 communist countries. You the government deliberately turning children against their
1: parents. Uh huh. I mean, the problem is that people don't know history because they're not learning the true history in school. No.
3: no and so they, so they don't, don't
1: recognize to. these things. Right.
3: So they're, they're purposely taught that. I mean, Nick and I, we were fortunate enough to escape Hollywood and we now live in, in, in other states. But the public schools there, um, and even the private ones with my daughter, my daughter was was seventeen years old. They hadn't taught the Civil War. They hadn't she didn't know the difference between the Civil War and the Revolutionary War because they didn't teach that. But they did teach about how racist the country is, how all the founders were racist. So by the time the child is seventeen years old, they've already got their belief system, and that's not that's not by accident. And in our last movie that Nick and I did, "America, God Shed His Grace on Me," we showed how this happened and how as they took. God out of our culture it got filled it got infiltrated with these pro-communist um, totalitarian agendas
1: yes yes taking god out and taking uh taking out the saluting of the to the american flag and saying the pledge of allegiance every morning yeah that was a big mistake <laughs> yeah. taking that out um what else is there that, I I mean, there's a ton of other things we can talk about. And what are some of the, what's your, what is your favorite part of the movie, Nick?
2: Well, I, I like the jokes, I like the humor (laughs) in it because uh, you know, Chris and I kind of have have done a lot of comedy in the past. uh, And so we kind of just tried some humor here and there because we knew how, uh, how serious the movie was going to be. and, I think the humor in it works in in two ways. It it sort of relieves some tension here and there, and gives you a, a little bit of a break from the relentless horrors that you're being shown. And it also the humor kind of points up the ridiculousness of what's going on. Uh, the the sort of fake hearing that we do at the beginning, where I'm kind of interrogating myself at at a congressional hearing. It's like it the, these 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 show trials are just a farce. These things are so stupid and so transparently wrong and so ridiculous that they just scream out to be parodied. And so I think the humor in the film, it serves two purposes. It's, it's not only uh, entertaining, it's also uh, informative.
3: Hey, you know, Nick, you just made me think of something. I think we invented a new genre of docu-comedy, the pre parody. Because we not only made the film eight months ahead of time that exonerates Trump, but in your parody of the hearing, that was before they even had the J6 hearings. And you and Liz Cheney going toe to toe in that opening scene, as funny as she was against you, who knew she'd be even more absurd when she got to go solo, you know, eight months later.
1: Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite part?
3: Gosh, my favorite part. Um, well, I think my favorite part was that day. I've been going to these rallies and protests for 17 years. This is the first time I'd never seen a counter-protest, and that's because the counter-protesters were all dressed up like us. But the politeness, I mean, what's getting lost was how wonderful it was to be there that day. It was so crowded at points. There were some places if I didn't have my camera held up above my head, I couldn't get my arms up because the crowd was that tight and everybody was so nice. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Excuse me. It was thinking back to it. The only thing that was different about that was not only how nice it was, but the smell of pot. That's how you could tell who the infiltrators were because they were all smoking pot and wearing masks. (laughs) masks, no pot. But that was my favorite part. And I don't know that we captured that in the movie. I think, well, maybe we did with the one shot where where it comes up from over Coy's shoulders. He's praying and you see the entire avenue just full all the way down to the Washington Monument. And you let the audience see that there was upwards of two million people there. That filled me. I think that's my favorite part of the movie because it, it filled me with just this sense of, of, of love and wonder and and. And, and hope, because as badly as this country is divided, and I, like I said, I've been doing this 17 years, as badly as this country is divided, I know that there are forces working to do that on purpose. That the nature of the American people is not to fight each other, not to go against each other. Straight, gay, left, right, black, white, brown, yellow, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. These are, for the most part, artificially created or purposely magnified um, problems that if, if they leave us alone we come together and we come together and the, the best thing to unite americans is truth and that's why this this movie is is so dangerous because you know the, the truth is never afraid of a lie but a lie can't stand up in the face of truth and that's what we have here you know that's why they've tried so hard to keep this movie from being seen because it's very, very dangerous that those that would seek to divide us and take this country down. It's extremely dangerous.
1: Um, let's talk for. We have about uh, about three minutes left or so. Um, first of all, let's make sure that you tell people now um, where they should go to look for the film.
2: You should go to hisglory.tv. You can either stream it there or. Or buy a DVD if you're old like me and you still have a DVD player. Um, and you can also go to my locals page, nicksearcy.locals.com. Uh, and the, other, the third option is givemelibertynow.org. But probably the best and easiest choice right now is just to go straight to hisglory.tv.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: And we had to do that with several platforms because you know we released the movie ourselves and we got attacks. Um, electronically like you wouldn't believe and hacker is trying to close these sites down. It was, uh, our, our, some of the IT guys were saying that they, they, they've never seen complicated attacks like they did trying to shut down the sales of this movie.
1: Um, what about the two of you as far as your own personal safety? Um, have you been in situations where you think people were trying to kill you?
3: Well, mm. since I've... FBI surveilling me now. I'm hoping that they'll let me know if anything bad comes up behind me, you know?
1: <laughs> That's one good thing about the FBI looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nick?
2: Well, I have, I'm, I'm waiting, you know, I haven't heard anything from, from them. I've not been. But, I, but, I mean, are,
1: but, I, but have you been like, uh, let's say you're out in a crowd or something. And I mean, do you look around Do you go out? Do you go outside? <laughs> Or are the two of you afraid of of?
3: Hell no. What?
2: No. No, I'm not
3: afraid. That, that's the whole point of the movie is not to live in fear. You know, and the, movie, the point of the movie is to stand up, speak the truth, let them know that we're not going to take it anymore, and don't be afraid because that's the whole thing. They've used fear to, 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 to maneuver us, to, to shut us up, to keep us from coming together. Hey, if you make a movie, we're going to knock you down. Hey, if you go pray at the Capitol, we're going to knock you down. Hey, if you go to the Capitol building and you're a 74-year-old woman who asks the police, can I please come in? And they say, yes, we're going to knock you down. You can't be afraid. And that's what you get out of this film. People that aren't backing down, people that stand up and they stand up for the country, they stand up for God, and they say, this is not right. And you aren't going to stop me from being American. And please don't be afraid. Please I will say that
2: during the, while we were making the film, the more we learned these stories from people telling us what the FBI had done to them, there were a couple of times when I turned to Chris and I said, maybe we should just quit. I mean, (laughs) maybe, maybe this is going to happen to us. But at the end of the day, it's like, I think, uh, you know, we're, we feel like we're doing the right thing and we feel like God is behind us and, and, Mm -hmm. and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. There's a man in the film named Derek Kennison, and he's still facing sentencing, and I spoke to him about a month ago, and he told me, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take a plea deal. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to fight this to the end, and if God wants me to go to jail for a few years, then that's what I'm going to have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's the kind of courage that you see from these people, and that's the kind of courage I try to live up to. Uh, we're doing what we know to be right, we're saying what we know to be true. And if if there are some consequences for that, um, I'm willing to face them.
1: We well, have, I if- want to. Unfortunately, we're at the end of the show. I could talk to you both for another hour at least. Um, but I want to make sure that I get in again where people can go to get this, either streaming it or DVD. Go to hisglory.tv, H-I-S, glory, G-L-O-R-Y, dot TV. Um, only $9.99, and this is a life-changing, um, incredible documentary. Again, the title of it is called "Capital Punishment." It's a play on uh, on, on capital, of course. Um, and I, I applaud you both. I, I this is really oh, if, if more people only had the guts to do what the two of you are doing. So I really wish you continued success. I uh, please everybody who's listening to this. Please go um, watch this film. You can you can gather a bunch of people together with you if you want to share the cost or whatever, but or get it on a DVD and you can really yeah. share it with a lot of people. That's right. So thank you very much again, the director of the film, uh, Chris Burgard, and the producer Nick Cersei. Thank you so much for being. Well, thank a guest you, Carol, and
2: I just want to say I'm really glad that. Chris finally got to talk to a psychiatrist. He's needed to for a long time.
1: (laughs) Okay. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.